Welcome to Much More Much Year with Pup Duffy and Kara Lane, an Aunt Imagination production. Guys, I am here with writer-director Danny Villanueva. Danny, welcome. We're here to talk about your film, which has released on Terror Films Channel as of the 12th. And today, uh, August 19th, it's available on digital platforms. That's right. Yeah, today's the big day. <laughs> and it's called I Dream of a Psycho Pump. Yes, that's correct. Just to jump right in, a psychopomp is what? It's a guide for souls, for spirits? Yeah, so psychopomps have been present back uh, since Greek mythology with Hermes. Uh, mm-hmm. And they're, they're in so many different cultures all around the world. But they're just these kind of beings, these spiritual beings that help transition spirits that are stuck on Earth into the afterlife. Uh, like the most popular I, I think most of us know the grim reaper figure but they have the, the same kind of job or it's uh, helping those from here on earth to cross over okay i think a lot of people when they think uh greek mythology and and souls they think of the guy on the on the boat on the river sticks that takes the the drachmas to to take him into the the afterlife or the underworld i don't know that people realize that the Grim Reaper is not some fantastical fictional character that someone somewhere thought up. It's based on, to a lot of cultures, a real, I guess, supernatural being. Yeah, that's true. And so it's so strange. Like a lot of the things that we think are, you know, ooky spooky or, you know, fictional, they actually are, they're rooted in either, you know, paganism or they're rooted in, in mythologies, things like that. So it's super cool. I had heard the word before and I, when I looked it up, I was like, oh yeah, okay, that makes perfect sense. But it's not something that a lot of people would associate, I guess, with loss. And that's what the film, to me, what I got from it was uh, your main character, Carrie. I don't know if it's a spoiler or not, but he suffers a loss. And alongside of him discovering the ways of the psychopomp, he's also learning the way through loss. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's a, a journey that has two elements to it. There's one path that's his own journey through grief and hit him overcoming that for himself. And then the other path is him wanting to help the spirit of his wife. And the psychopomp figure that we see in the film is uh, it's like a teacher to him. You know, he's teaching him how the spirit world works and then also how this soul guiding happens. And, and those lessons come through these stories, these anthology segments. That was something that I would just thought was incredibly well done. To start off, I wanted to ask you, because there's some locations in this film that are beautiful. Where did you film? Yeah, we, so we shot completely in Kenosha and Racine, Wisconsin. Okay. I, yeah, I've lived in Kenosha for 20 years now. So a lot of these locations I'm familiar with. One of them was the high school I graduated from um, and other ones, just places that I, I pass by so often. Um, but what's special about filming in smaller towns that don't really have film communities is that everyone's so willing to help out. You know, this is such a special thing when they know film productions happening, you know, they'll do anything they can. They're so welcoming to 
let you come and film in these locations. One of them being that lovely, it looked like a church. It may have just been a building, but during the uh, Until Forever segment where you meet we're not going to spoil anything, but you made an, a very interesting character. The young, the young girl does, but that building was just so beautiful. And fr- from the first shot with the owl, I was like, where is this? Where was this film? Cause I need to go here and, and live probably. Cause it's gorgeous. And I love that. Like the town was like, oh, you're filming here. That's so cool. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the, that segment until forever the interior and the exterior are actually two different locations the exterior was a church building in racine um but the interior is a is an old historic theater um it's the old kenosha theater that's being restored so it's in a terrible condition it had closed in the 60s um and it was bought and it's, it's been trying to, to get restored. Those things cost a lot of money to get back up. So they've been having trouble raising those funds, but it has a lot of history. Um, there were a lot of big performers like Frank Sinatra, the Three Stooges. And uh, coincidentally, Bella Lugosi had performed there. And this particular segment uh, does have to do with a vampire. So it just it ties in pretty well. Well, it's like it was meant to be. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. That's so cool because the disrepair and the you know the 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 disuse of it being closed for my God, what sixty years or so just lent itself beautifully to those interior scenes. Isn't it funny how things work out like that? Yeah, That's- it's all magic. So much of it, I just can't believe that we we were able to like. Just let, let alone finish a film, but like all the magic that came together to create such beautiful moments. It's just mm-hmm. unbelievable. I feel like there is some kind of supernatural element <laughs> to all of it. It's strange. Right. What I thought was so well done, and it was this, the way you introduced the, the segments or the vignettes, it was always Carrie at the gravesite meeting someone at, who was also at, in the graveyard and then it seamlessly went into the next thing or the next thing. And it was like, this is so well done. My favorite scene was in the school, in the high school that you said you graduated from. Because the girl who played Caroline had that awkward, nervous, oh my God, I can't believe my voice cracked when I said that face. Perfect about it. And then the fire alarm and the the slow motion and the papers, the school papers flying in the back. It was amazing and I was just like through the whole film I'm gonna gush for a minute but through the whole film I was going holy crap holy crap the part where he's laying down on his side in bed and I'm like I'm like a cynic I'm like oh here comes a jump scare I was like oh someone's gonna pop up behind her and then it didn't it was this beautiful little memory he had and then it did and I was like it got me so bad Mm -hmm. I was like I was ready then I wasn't ready and then I really wasn't ready. <laughs> so the whole thing, I was blown away by. Yeah. And that was something that was, I don't know if challenging is the right word, but I had to be very delicate with how I chose to incorporate horror elements and conventions in that sort of way. Because so much of it, of it is driven by these, these characters' trauma and um, the psychology and, you know, their journey of, of, 
what's going on inside of them. If I were to be more jump scary or having it too horror, it could start to pull a lot of that away. Um, so I found this this happy medium where it was, you know, where where I was able to you know give the, those little bits of moments that the, the hardcore horror fans want, but still um, appeal to people who are, may not be big on this genre you know a lot of people who told me that they're terrified of horror films and wouldn't watch them they took a chance on this and they found beauty in it you know and i uh, uh it was something that i i really was aiming for in the beginning was to to get to that moment where i where it's people are finding it beautiful in both of those kind of ways which was difficult well you're right you run the risk of devaluing the characters stories and the importance of what they're actually going through like you said if you jump scare too much or one of the things i hate about horror not horror some horror i should say some horror films is when they build the music and then they like Da, 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 but nothing happened. It's mm. just the music. I don't need a heart attack for no reason. Give me something. I feel like it's cheap. And in this film, every bit of foreboding, every <gasps> was earned. It was appropriate for the moment that it happened. And talk about beauty. There are some moments in this film, speaking of music, um, when Caroline is dancing and it's just that beautiful instrumental music. And when you realize, to me, it was kind of like she had like a break, a mental break where she imagined that whole entire thing. And I was, it was just like even more impactful because it was so beautiful and so, I guess, weirdly joyful, but it was all in her head. Yeah, it was, uh, that was a moment I, I know I needed to get right. Um, that particular segment deals with such um, serious subject matter that you have to approach very delicately. And I could have easily took the route where we're focusing more on the villain character and mm -hmm. the violence of that. But I didn't want to go that route. I wanted to stay in Caroline's head and show this trauma of a survivor who had missed such an important opportunity um, and just ha had her, her entire like childhood t taken from her uh, because of this tragic event. So it was inside of her to live that out, you know, and not let this, this villain win you know she was able to still celebrate that dance and and um yeah and I, I chose to tell so much of that through the dance it's such a an expressive art form and uh fiona rose who played caroline understood that so well and this was not choreographed like the blocking was all the camera movement and where she would go but it was all up to her to just express herself in a, in a free way and how she felt and what she was thinking. And again, it just was magic. The, the fact that it all came together in, in such a way, it was just hard. It's hard to believe those things can like happen when you're on set and you see it in your monitor. It's, it's a, a moving feeling.
Because mm-hmm. you think it'll never translate. It'll never translate from paper to, oh my God, it translated so beautifully. And it's more than I expected. It's Exactly. It, and I think you did that perfectly because Caroline's mind, her psyche dealt with what happened to the best of its ability to, in like a protective manner, I guess, maybe like her imagining that blocked off the reality for however long she danced. And I think, I think it's right on point because not to get too deep into that, but I think a lot of, a lot of people that suffer trauma like that probably have to do that. They, their minds have to find a way to wall it off. Yeah. And a big part of just the entire film, I wanted to ground the the supernatural elements um, in ways that can also be interpreted as um, psychology. So people can say this gymnasium was haunted and that they're not wrong for thinking that, that these ghosts came to dance with her, you know, but then others who are more uh, science-based or, you know, psychology-based and aren't spiritual in that way can have their own interpretation. So I, I wanted to make sure that that uh worked for the whole film you know all of these characters who are experiencing the this paranormal stuff they're all dealing with heavy trauma that could manifest that in their head or in in the spiritual world like that well i mean even carrie even the main character is he truly talking to the to the psychopomp or is it his mind's way of dealing i mean it's so brilliantly done that it could be either way and then you, even in, in the segment of uh, Until Forever, it took me a second because I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, because the coloring and the, the mood shifted and it seemed so different than, from, than what had come before. And I was like, wait a minute. And then I started to see because in that segment, and I would have to rewatch it to make sure I'm right, but there's an underlying key thread in all the other ones that let me know me the viewer that this is something that's going on with the supernatural and that was the color purple right it was missing to me in the uh until forever segment and it was it was kind of jarring but then i was paying attention i was listening and i was like wait a minute he is and all the little pieces start fitting back together and it was just so freaking cool. And I love the use of purple. It kind of gave me like the sixth sense red thing, but it was like this little, when you notice it, now you're looking. I'm like, her cardigan is purple. This is, you know, his tie, things like that. And it was just so cool. I'm sure it was a conscious decision as you wrote it, but the color itself, is there, is there a special meaning behind purple or? Yeah. So purple was always my mother's favorite color. And it's also a color that I don't see being utilized a lot in horror specifically. Usually people go for the, the reds and the, you know, the dark greens and, you know, those, those, uh, Colors that you're familiar with. So when you find this vibrant uh, color that we sort of associate with not so, uh, I don't know, terrible things, I guess. It's just, you know, in, in the color psychology of, of purple, it's more seen as 
something that's just creative. It's like yellow can be seen sometimes seen as caution, red, obviously, you know, there's a lot that we associate with that. But I, I thought that this, because I wanted to create this film that takes horror and um, approaches it in a tender way that we're not used to seeing. Uh, so much of horror, death is treated um, as this malevolent thing. And I wanted to speak, and also in horror, it's a lot of it's exaggerated, you know, it's over the top, it's meant for entertainment. And because I was approaching it with such uh, truthfulness and honesty, um, I needed to separate as much as I could from that. And I just always had this like soft spot for that color. It became my favorite color. And when it came to deciding um, about the palette that I wanted to use, I know I did want a color that symbolized that power of the cycle pump, that spiritual um, color that, that you can feel on the screen. So that's what I chose. And yeah, and slowly you see Carrie's clothes. They started gray. They turned to blue, then purple. He's slowly getting getting that power inside of him, getting closer to that. Um, and then obviously Dina Swan, who's the psychic, she has been in this kind of spiritual playground as as a psychic um, with experience in psychopomping. So she has already been established and she's coming in with the purple, you know, and then the spiritual world. I wanted to create this kind of like conference room where two people can speak to each other with no distractions and something that felt like it was otherworldly. And when I was doing research on psychopomps, I came across how shamans practice it, and they still do to present day. They go into this meditative state, and they find earthbound spirits, and they, they speak to them. They help them come to terms with death and uh, help guide, guide their souls. And that's kind of how I saw it. I saw that this communication should happen in this in the mind somewhere but in another worldly place visually and that's how I decided on that that's really cool and I know it said um it said that you lost your mother while making the film is that right yes yeah, so I was raised by my biological grandparents um and throughout my life, I was always had this deep fear of losing them because I was so attached to them. Um, when I was one year, okay, so this is getting kind of personal, but I just feel like it's the right moment to kind of share my, when I was in the womb, my father was murdered and my mother got deep into drugs and she couldn't take care of us, me and my siblings. So my grandparents were able to adopt us and I became attached. They were the most loving parents that I could ask for. And I had this kind of what now I believe was a, this attachment style where I was just really kind of stuck to them, you know, and uh, I was just afraid that I knew that their death would come a lot sooner than like my friends who had younger parents. So I felt like I needed to like prepare myself in ways. So I think that kind of is why I'm so obsessed with death in this world and why not explore these things to become familiar with that, to prepare myself. And so we finished shooting the film in 2019 and I right away went into post-production editing. And in February of 
2020. And my mother was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer and I lived with her. I was her primary caregiver. So in one room, I'd be caring for her. And then when I would take breaks in the room right next to it, I would be editing this film about death with this character that was going on a journey similar to mine. I had this, um, I had like someone to kind of learn from. And even though I, I wrote this, when I was editing it, I was seeing it from a completely different light because I was experiencing it myself. And I truly do feel that this had helped help me grieve. And she eventually passed away a few months later. And yeah, I just felt like this project meant so much more to me because I, it was there for me when I was going through all of this. And, you know, all my other family members were in their own um, in their own state of grief and everyone reacts so differently. Um, it was hard to like put any more emotional stress on them. And, you know, so, so for me, I like went, would go to the room and I felt like this film was like a, a person that I could just go and hang out with and talk to. And, you know, and it didn't hurt, hurt them because, you know, this is a fictional world that they've, they're stuck in, you know, it's not, can't do any more damage than they've already done. Um, and sometimes I feel, um, I, I hate to like vent or like, you know, put my problems on other people like that. I don't know. I should get better at um, being able to uh, express myself that way, but yeah, it, it just became a friend that I could just go and talk to, uh, and hang out with when I was down. So it just took on a whole nother meaning for me than I originally intended. Well, I'm sure it acted as a, as a distraction at the least. And also dealing with the heavy uh, subject matter of the film helped you process your own. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? Mm-hmm. But kind of, it's like you were helping yourself because you created it. Yeah. You want to get real hippy dippy. Maybe something inside of you knew that you were going to need that later on. Yeah. And, and like I said, like, I think that's why I was gravitated towards telling this kind of story. Like I needed that preparation to fam- familiarize myself with, with this world that was so strange to me, you know? And uh, yeah, it's just. In writing in that genre, you could have, you could have written any slasher. You could have written a full on vampire, but something, something inside of you said, we're going to, we're going to deal with the Reaper. We're going to deal with a psychopomp. Mm-hmm. We're going to make people Google a word <laughs> when they. Yeah, when they that's what I get in every interview. That's the first thing they say. What is a psychopomp? And well, so, I don't know. I, I, it's I, cool. I, yeah, I, I like the word. I mean, I, in the beginning, I wasn't familiar with it. And I um, came across it doing the research. And I was like, this word needs to be used more. This is kind of a cool word. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but well, it's, yeah. when uh, when the email came over about the film, I was like, I've seen that word before. Nerd alert! I think I've probably read it in like a Percy Jackson book. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't doubt that. Yeah, I'm like because Rick Riordan. I everything I know about Greek mythology, I learned from from the Percy Jackson books. But I felt like it was like some creature or something. I'm like, I know I've heard this word before. But yeah, it's just, it's such a cool concept. And without saying too much, the way that Carrie takes on the mantle of that position, Mm -hmm. 
chef's kiss. It was done so good. There were so many little things like, and they weren't jump scares, but they were like <gasps> moments, the best possible spooky way, if that makes sense. Like you did this brilliant thing where you're like, oh, he's going to close the coffin. And there's going to be someone standing there. Nope. Guess what? She's behind him. And it was like, ah, yo, ah, you know, you got me. But also there were moments like with Charles when he turned around kind of thing, but that was a sweet thing. It wasn't spooky, Mm -hmm. beautiful balance of spooky, sweet, beautiful, kind of horrifying, gorgeous, wonderful. I loved it. Thank you. I'm so sorry. I feel like I have to sneeze. Everybody in my house is sick it's not COVID thank God we've all been vaccinated it's just like some little flu the one the one child got it and then the other child got it <laughs> and it's a, it's still a crazy world just to di- digress for a second everybody get, got so crazy about COVID that they forgot that like the common cold exists <laughs> so mm-hmm. stay, stay healthy keep washing your hands um because we don't want to end up in a situation where you might have to talk to a psychopath. <laughs> I love also that this is a film that you dedicated. You got me at the end when you said for mama and you had the picture. I was just like, I loved it, loved it, loved it. I love that this helped you navigate your journey. Think I really think someone or something up here inspired you to write this, whatever, whomever spiritually or or you know your your own inner guide knew you were going to need it and i think that's a beautiful thing mm-hmm. i agree thank you you're welcome so everybody can see this starting today on most digital platforms like apple tv uh, amazon prime yep apple tv amazon prime it's on google play tv tv okay um <laughs> and a few other and it'll i'm sure it'll get tossed on to more along the way so it's out there and then on the 26th it's going to be on the uh, kings of horror channel uh also on the terror films channel which is a really cool channel actually definitely a lot of cool stuff on there a lot of great films and stuff on there so where can people follow you and where can they follow um the film to get more information yeah, so I'm on pretty much all social medias as Danny Villanueva Jr. I also have my production company pages. My production company is How Bizarre Pictures. And then I do have pages for the film, I Dream of a Psychopomp. So if you just search for any of those, you can find uh, find me there. Okay, HowBizarrePictures.com, I Dream of a Psychopomp.com, Danny Villanueva Jr. on all social medias. Awesome. You got it. Well, do me a favor, keep in touch and let's talk again. Cause I think this is a, this is a subject, even without the supernatural part of it. I think this is a subject I'd love to cover with you at a a later date. Anytime. Just let me know. Absolutely. You have a wonderful night and thanks for talking. You as well. Thanks for having me. This was my pleasure. No problem. Bye Danny. Bye. Take care. You too.